Get connected with Take Two Radio on Facebook or Twitter at Take Two Radio. For email updates on future shows, follow at Blog Talk Radio. For previous episodes, upcoming guests, and more, visit Take2Radio.com. Welcome to the Mallard Report, the fastest hour in paranormal talk radio. Aired live, where the host and guests exchange thoughts and opinions with interaction from the duck pond. And now your host, Jim Mallard. So let's hope that's better than the last time we did this. It's just been one of those nights. But my guest tonight is Trip Elix. Did I say that right? We were just talking about that. I know it was better than the first time I did. Sounded fine. Sounded fine. So... We're going to talk about privacy and security, but for the listeners who may not know who you are, can you give me a brief bio of who you are? Yeah, sure. Um, I've written three books. Two of them are on privacy-related issues, and the first one was a novel uh, that I wrote uh, that is really for the black hat crowd. I uh, released it at DEF CON. Uh, I've been around the computer underground circles for longer than hacker has been a buzzword, and I've met a lot of the guys that are the infamous and famous, if you want to call them that, um, some before their jail terms and some of them afterwards. And I've been in the uh, privacy game or getting disgusted with the privacy game for a long time. What set me on it was uh, I was trying to discover a answer to a puzzle of who wrote a piece of spyware, uh, which, re- which uh, was really the red pill that sent me into uh, finding about the data brokers and a whole bunch of other things. Well, so, since we're right there, so I'm guessing you got infected by the spyware. Oh no, uh, spyware, spyware and malware and viruses. A lot of people don't understand what they are, and there's a subtle difference. And we'll touch on a worm too, because I just want to give you a, a, the lowdown on all three of them. Yeah, go ahead. Explain this to me, because I thought it was all this, basically all junk. So. Yeah, well, most people do. Okay. So the first class, uh, we're going to talk about what a virus is. A virus is a program. And this is what most people don't understand about computer technology or their automobile or their telephone or their TV set or the refrigerator or the internet, a lot of things. These are all just programs, programs that are written for the most part to do one specific task. Now, when we talk about computers and cell phones, of course, we can have multiple tasks or apps on our phones, but when we're infected with a program and we receive a program to run it, now, if the program can send itself to somebody else, in other words, can open up an email socket and send itself to somebody else, 
that's called a virus. Malware is a program that, again, a human launches, uh, you launch it, and it can do whatever it wants to your device. It can steal your contact data. It can erase your hard drive. It can encrypt uh, your computer. That's called malware because it's self-contained. Now, the virus can infect other computers on your network, and now because of the militarization of the virus community, um, the old mainstay idea was that if I got a virus on my iPhone, my computers were safe. Well, now, today, you can get a virus on your iPhone spread it over to your Xbox, which gets your router, which gets your PC, which gets your um, significant other's phone, which they take to work and plug into the back end of the bank lane to charge with their uh, battery with the USB cable. Um, and literally, things can jump between devices. They're still rare. But they do um, – there are some that are not state-run viruses that have been created. State-run meaning governments uh, manufacture it. Um, now, worms – worms don't need an interaction. Those are run between devices and look for a vulnerability in the device to – um, run itself. So uh, a worm getting into your router, um, it's one of the, the most common ones is out there that's called moose. And that's a worm that can infect your, your router, your little Wi-Fi router, or your Comcast, Cox, uh, Time Warner router router because all those idiots use the exact same username and password um, for admin. And what those do is those are – Moose is a worm that creates likes. So it li you've seen those people that uh, will like your Twitter feed or your Facebook page. Some of those are buying the lists uh, of uh, people from the routers. In other words, it'll intercept your cookies as they come across and pretend to be you while you're online and you're liking crap you never knew that existed. So that's a worm, malware, virus, and then spyware. Spyware is a program that is put on a computer and uh, comes with some cell phones, um, and what it does is it steals your information just like a hacker getting into your computer. It steals what you like. It may steal a document and send it on, but the difference between spyware and a malware, uh, the difference for the Justice Department in – in the classification of spyware versus malware is the spyware is made by corporate America. Uh, 
That's made by a data broker company. These are companies that buy and sell information. And if you've ever received a piece of mail that's garbage in your mailbox or spam in your uh, email client or received a phone call being harassed for a timeshare or anything else, these databases are all the same databases. So when we talk about spyware on your computer, that information goes to the data broker who sells the information that puts you in the list because you're into uh, buying uh, socks for your small furry animal. Um, and that's literally how that whole process works. And that was the rabbit hole, part of the rabbit hole that I went down. Which is just fascinating because, like I said, I thought they were all just kind of renaming the same thing or based on who created it, but more to it than that. So what, what's, it, what's it called when Google um, uses my search results for ads? Well, uh, besides theft... Well, yes. Uh, <laughs> you agreed to it, quote unquote. Did you agree to it? Let me tell you something about those agreements that you signed. Oh God! Most of the mo no, really, most <laughs> of the agreements are invalid. Okay. Meaning, um, they will not stand up in any form of court, and I'll tell you why. Agreements, like um, when you sign any other kind of contract that you've signed in your life, have a termination point. Your only termination point with, quote, Google is you won't use Google. But that doesn't mean Google can't continue selling your old stuff. You see, what makes all these computer agreements invalid is there's no act of termination. You can't ever turn the thing off. When you agree on your cell phone because you wanted to put a new app on and you gave some unknown company access to your contacts or access to your the contents of your text messages, by not using that app anymore, you don't rescind those rights. And that is where I'm coming from. I've got a couple law firms that I'm dealing with, and I want to, gee, I want to start suing these guys. Um, I want to start taking away their homes uh, because they've caused identity theft. Um, they're causing identity theft for little kids. That was one of the primary factors. I wrote the last book, which is Protecting Kids Online. You can get that on Amazon and my website. Yeah, actually, uh, tripelix.com. As I say, I have that right down about the kids, but I, I just want to be perfectly clear for everybody. So even if I stopped using Google this moment in time, period, like deleted it, got rid of it, they're still going to keep selling my information, my whatever, until the cows come home or hell freezes over or. Well, it's this is the thing that a lot of people don't understand about Google and Facebook, the Internet, and all of this. 
there's a company out there that is much bigger than Google and much more powerful than uh, Facebook. Um, it took its information or its playbook from one of uh, one of American history's uh, leaders, uh, good old J. Edgar Hoover, who founded the FBI. Uh, J. Edgar was the director of the FBI through eight U.S. presidents, Calvin Coolidge to Richard Nixon, because what he did was he had the FBI go out and collect files on citizens and politicians, and nobody dared fire him because he had secret files on everybody in Washington. They were scared the death of him. Well, uh, J. Edgar died, uh, and he quit being at the FBI. And about the same time that J. Edgar left the FBI, uh, these two brothers, Charles Ward and his brother Stephen, started a company that was really the mailing list for the Democratic Party to go against the Republican Party. Uh, they were located in Arkansas, and they started a company that uh, really collected information and became synonymous with data collection. And the name of their company, you know, um, because you use it. It got written into American language, and its name is Demographic Inc., so the word that you know is demographic. Think Q-tip or Kleenex. Um, demographic changed its name four times, and today it's known as Axiom Corporation. And it pushes Google around. It pushes Facebook around. The data that if you go on Facebook and you try to, to uh, advertise to somebody – and you drop down the analytics of who you want to target, that's the Axiom database. When you use your credit card and you're in a gift shop, in a golf shop, by the way, this collection stuff that I'm talking about right now does not apply today. It doesn't apply generally between around the 15th of November out to January 15th. The reason is, and you won't have any pop-ups, you'll be the holidays, make everybody's spending habits different in your buying stuff for people that aren't you. So they don't, the brokers realize that and they turn all the crap off. <coughs> At any rate, um, Axiom Corporation uh, is in the background with your data. And most of the data that Axiom has, it's been stolen. They claim, they'll claim that, uh, they had every right to it. And the, these, you know, data brokers in general, uh, I'll, I'll put it quite simply. If you can imagine, uh, a move, you know, if, if you're watching a movie and, you see a pimp with a big Cadillac and shiny gold rings and a bunch of girls and 
you know, swaggering on a street corner and making that girl go to work and carrying a briefcase. And inside that briefcase is a tablet. You know, and in that tablet is all your personal information. And that's exactly the business of data brokers. They will do, they will say, they will steal anything to turn your information, your thoughts, your desires into about four cents because that's all you're worth. If that. Um, if that, if that. Yeah. <laughs> if that, yeah, that's right. These guys are scum. Um, they're, they proclaim to be the... Um, to be necessary and even, you know, the biggest, you know, the Fortune 50 use these these jerks for data to find out who we are. And to be quite honest with you, they get raked over, over the coals too. I mean, they get extorted for who I am and who you are. And I'll give you an example. There's this soap company out of Cincinnati, Ohio, called Procter & Gamble. Chances are you use some of Procter & Gamble's stuff. If you, They make soap. They make laundry detergent. They make hand soap. They make a wide variety of soaps. And Procter & Gamble would like to know who you and I are and have a contact with us, have a relationship with us so that when they offered a discount for a product, we'd go and buy it, right? Yeah. Well, somebody, yeah, yeah. We'd be all up. Yeah, we'd be all up for that. But the agreement that Procter and Gamble is forced, extorted into from the data brokers won't let them send us a solicitation to do business. They got to pay the broker. This is where the things are wrong, and you know. At some point, I think what will change this is what I call the smart kitchen. And this is when we, um, when we put weights and measures and cameras in the kitchen to actually read the product. Smart, like Amazon just bought Whole Foods. Um, and I don't know. Have you seen the the pictures or heard about Amazon's new uh, walk and carry stores? Do you yes, want to I have. Yes, about? I have. I was excited by it. Of course, I, I I live in Western Pennsylvania, so I may never get one. But I was excited to see it. <laughs> well, no. If you got Whole Foods, you probably will ha see it because that's what I've heard Whole Foods is going to become. Well, that'd be that interesting. Was the, that was the idea of branding and turning Whole Foods into a walkthrough. And I could be totally wrong, but um, that was some of the things that I've seen talked about was Amazon turning, um, basically firing half the people and turning them into robots, um, robotic weights and robotic measure but what i'm talking about in the in your in your kitchen is 
if we had a device that kept track of our inventory levels and then went out to the web and talked to the grocery stores in our local area for us, not for somebody else, but working in our benefit to save us money. So we have an app on our cell phone that detects that I'm in the local grocery store, and I open it up, and it gives me the list of everything that I need at home, and then gives me an alert that says, you know, <laughs> if you uh, want to save 20 bucks, you can buy these items in this store and go five minutes down the road and buy the other remaining objects. That's using AI and using technology for us. It's going to take a while because we've got Amazon that wants to sell us product. We've got Google that wants to compete with Amazon and will do anything to stick its neck into Facebook and Twitter's feed, the failed Google Plus platform. <laughs> But, you know, Google is being a competitor. It's bringing Microsoft to its knees. Microsoft needed to be to its knees. And by the way, the the scuttlebutt on on that malware in North Korea, I don't buy that. I think Microsoft did that because most of the machines that got hit with that virus – or that ransomware were unlicensed XP machines. That's that that's very interesting. And the other the other thing that doesn't make it sound like it was a state run or anything else is that for a very long time malware or ransomware had a 1500 to $2,500 price tag, meaning if you got infected, you could get your stuff unencrypted for somewhere between 1500 and $2,500 for a single installation and, you know, $30,000 for a computer network like the one in Chicago at the hospital and uh, the police department in Louisville and or wherever it was. Um, there was a real serious price tag. Then came a came out WannaCry, and the price drops to twenty bucks. What is this? <laughs> well, twenty bucks. I mean, would it? Yeah, I don't. I don't get that. I mean, it seems like the the marketplace would demand more than I mean that's quite a I'm not good at that's math. Why, but. That's that's exactly that's exactly why I think it was a major corporation that did it. And one that doesn't necessarily need the pr- one that doesn't necessarily need the money but wants to sell you something. Well, I don't think that they want I don't think it was about selling you anything. It was to scare you and to get you to buy a legit copy of Windblows. And when you come down to it, Windows is a virus. 
the entire operating system is, the way that you it gets you to tell your friend that you should run Windows. Apple runs that same way, but you got to remember something about both of those companies. They're both U.S. In the rest of the world, they hate us because we own the operating systems. We own the apps that they use. We own the game market that they play. And the gamers, that's going to change soon, too, because have you seen the new VR stuff? Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen enough of it to go, holy shit. <laughs> it just looks amazing compared to the crap I was playing when I was a kid. That's right. And you can you can wear you can you can buy a fancy set of gear and if you don't have the fancy set of gear, you can download the cutout from um Google for the cardboard goggles to hold your cell phone to your face and wear a pair of headphones. And this is going to give Microsoft and Sony a run for their money. By the way, you know what the um, – speaking of game systems, did you know that more kids watch porn off the Xbox and the Sony PlayStation than any other device on the Internet? That's phenomenal because, I mean, most of these kids have phones too. And you know what I'm saying? That's I'm, I'm dumbfounded. Smartphones, even. Yeah, that's right. And you can track, and parents can see what's on the dumb phone. There's no logs on the Xbox. <laughs> There's no way to track the Xbox. There's no way to track the Sony PlayStation. And what was funny is the company, which was one of the porn uh, analytics companies, in their article that they released when they were touting that uh, in uh, 2016, um, and this is still true today, um, they figured that the 3DS didn't win in their age uh, bracket because basically they were too young. On, you have you have pulled the impossible, or not? I guess it's not quite impossible, but the awkward moment where the host has nothing to say, which isn't good radio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just bad. I mean, I guess, I guess it's never crossed my mind. I guess is my first problem. And then to hear it's a gaming system just blows my mind. Yeah, well, the the thing about the games too is that. When we're talking about brokers, and the gamers are have got to be the most naive set of people on the Internet. My complaint used to be, back in the dial-up days, I wanted to see AOL sync. I hated AOL. Uh, personally, it, it, it was just a complete waste of time to me personally. And what did the AOL users do? Well, they got off of AOL, they went on the Internet, and they bought a Mac. And now most of these people 
that believe that Apple doesn't get a virus are what are called zombies on the on the botnet. Uh, a zombie is a machine that's just controllable by somebody else. And when you hear about a DDoS attack, um, that's how uh, that's how the bots do the botnets do that. I um, I was saying I was wondering where that myth, that urban urban legend came from myth that apples are virus proof. They it it wasn't. They never said that. They had a commercial that ran in the 1980s um, that was a Mac commercial that said that Windows gets more viruses than Macs do. I've seen the commercial. I remember the commercial being on. But that isn't what people heard. And back in the day, back in the day of floppy disk drives, I got a virus from Windows, like from a Windows installation disk. I was, back then, I was working in a computer store and doing computer shows throughout the eastern seaboard. But that surprised the really surprised me. I mean, that came from distribution from Microsoft, and I had a, a virus. I don't remember what, what, what one it was. It might have been I Love You or one of its variants, but it was actually on the install disks. So, I mean, you're doing this again to me. This isn't good. I, I just have uh, hard time wrapping my head around them shipping viruses to users. Well, it, it, back then, what happened in distribution was that um, we got away from that form of distribution and creating media because of cost. Um, they don't charge any less. They get to keep more money by giving it to you on the Internet. Do you notice that you, you're old enough to remember not having a cell phone and having banking apps on it? But what the bank said they would do is reduce the fee if we went over to a banking app. And as soon as you got the banking app, they raised the fee higher than it was without the flipping app. Yeah, now they now there's a charge for uh, convenience or whatever the hell they, they label it as. Yeah, not for you there is. Oh yeah, for me there is. Not for I mean, I no, not for me. I tell the my bank knows who I am. I showed my I showed him my uh, DefCon badge, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to go back next year. <laughs> they waived that fee. <laughs> I have no access to the internet banking. <laughs> I have that turned off. <laughs> I don't want it. The fun things that, <laughs> and you don't have to have it either. No. As long as you're not using Bank of America, and I recommend not using any of the big banks. And that was wrong of me picking them out. No, it's not. They're jerks. Um, but don't use big banks. Credit unions are a lot safer, and little banks are a lot safer. 
But if you are walking around with your cell phone and you have a banking app on it, you are asking for trouble because no cell phone, I don't care if it's made by Apple or if it's made by Android, is safe, period. Anyone can listen or locate any cell phone. There are holes in the cell phone network that you can drive a truck through. You can get a piece of mal malware injected into your phone, depending on the make and the model, uh, by receiving a text message, and you don't even have to acknowledge the message. Well, isn't that just lovely? In other lovely. words, I can send a text message to you, and I own your phone. Period. So, you do. How do you get away f around that? Because all these guys out there that are the scare. I call them the scary fairies. You know, when we're kids, you grow up and there's the forest and the fairies and the goblins. People just want to scare the crap out of everybody with technology. Don't use the Internet. I love the Internet. Why would I tell somebody not to use the Internet? Just lie and consistently lie. Don't tell the truth. And... Banking apps, right now you can walk into a Walmart, because I did this recently, uh, right before the Christmas, the Christmas holiday. A restaurant had a music player that was doing Pandora, and they paid a lot of money for this music player, and I looked at it, and, you know, the owner knows me, and I'm like, I can get replace this music player with a device for probably about $30. And he looked at me like I was nuts, and I said, I'll be right back. And I went to a Walmart, and I bought one of those pay-as-you-go uh, cell phones with a, a four-and-a-half-inch LCD color screen mm -hmm. for $25. It ran Android, and I put it on their Wi-Fi. I downloaded Pandora, I plugged it into the amplifier, and away they went. Um, these devices you can use at home, and you can put banking apps on them. You can get low-cost tablets and put banking apps on them and do your banking on a separate device. You don't want to use the same device with social networks that you do with banking apps. They do not mix because you can get a virus from a social network. And, you know, really, when we talk about the social networks, the one that invented all this is Facebook. Do you know what Facebook's address is? I think it's somewhere in Palo Alto, California. Their physical address is one hacker away. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they are when you go to when you go to the hackercon, not every Microsoft employee stands up and says they work for Microsoft, but Sony and 
um, Intel do. I mean, Sony, Intel, and the NSA run DEFCON. Period. Really. I, it, when I got known as being what I do by the government, I started going to DEFCON. I didn't before I was known because I didn't want the government to know who I was. But afterwards, I didn't care, so I went. The government knows who is there. And, you know, really my beef, I don't care what our government is doing. I really don't. Snowden does. He cares about, and, uh, you know, that's, that's his thing is the, the government. I don't really care what the government's doing. I care what major corporations are doing. I care that they are ripping us off. I care that they are feeding us a line of crap to conjole us into buying crap that we do not need and do not want and foster an economy. I'm convinced that life is not about buying a new electronic device. Life is about spending time with your family. So when you're with your family, turn off your cell phone. You don't need electronics. You don't need all of this crap around you all the time. Turn it off. Life is about human existence. And that's kind of the message that's in my uh, Protecting Kids Online book as well. Um, I talk about the importance of teaching your kids to encrypt. Because do you have any little kids? I do. How old? Uh, Ten and seven. Okay. Your ten-year-old is begging for a cell phone at this point. And what you do when you finally lament is go into the advanced settings and turn encryption on the cell phone. Make your kid put in a four-digit or six-digit PIN. Actually, if it'll allow an eight-digit, teach your kid now to use eight-digit and get them away from the four-digit PIN stuff. Uh, four-digit PINs are antique. They come from the banking industry and putting a PIN code into the ATM. That's where we got them. Right. They went into voicemail and four-digit pins for voicemail. That's what got all those guys in England. Our cell phones of today, if you ever saw a stand-up video machine, a video game system, you know, the kind that were in arcades that you put yeah. quarters in, right. the processor in those were on average, were one and a half megahertz. Okay. Two megahertz. We're running at gigahertz. In other words, for my cell phone that's an antique, my smartphone, I can figure out your four-digit pin in about 45 seconds. That's incredible. You did, so what you do to combat that, 
like for a little kid, and this is the point of it, is little kids do two things with electronic devices. They break them and they lose them. And when we start texting stuff, we always say stuff on forms of media that we shouldn't say. So the way to protect your kid is teach your kid to encrypt so that when somebody finds the phone, they can't open up and find out that they're actually a jerk or that so-and-so sleeps with so-and-so. You can negate all of those arguments by a little bit of encryption. So what else you got for me for, and, for kids with the phones besides? Well, with the, yeah, keep them away from Snapchat. That's an adult thing. And in general, um, don't let your kids use their real names on any devices. The thing about data brokers, remember the the pimp picture and the guy, you know, with the brim hat holding the briefcase with all your information? Yeah. These guys are not that smart. They're closer to dumber and dumber. <laughs> or Daryl and Daryl, either what way. But dumb and dumber is collecting our information all the time, and they don't know. They throw stuff together and say that it's correct. They really don't know. If I came over and I used your Wi-Fi network, and I used your computer on your Wi-Fi network, and I went to other websites, as long as I didn't log in, the computer people, the people that are watching, think that it's you. They don't know. They don't know who people are. So if your children that have had imaginary friends start using the imaginary friends at your house over about an eight-month, six- to eight-month period, the imaginary friend will become real on the databases. And there's a reason for this. You want your kids to use those IDs because when your child turns 14 years old, you want to go out to Facebook and Instagram and create an account with their name on it. And what you start doing is you make your child into the leader, the performer, the athlete, and you take pictures of achievement. Now, if your kid's a bookworm, it doesn't really matter. Put cleats and a football helmet on and pads and take pictures because in a few years, a college is going to look or an employer is going to look on the Internet to see who your kid is, and you're going to make a what I call a portfolio of achievement for your child. They're going to see all these things that your child has done and directing those men with pipes and feeding the homeless. What a child. We want this guy in our organization. You see where I'm headed? I do. You can have fun with the system because the system's run by dumb and dumber. <laughs> these guys aren't scary. They're stupid. 
That's just, I mean, I, I, I see it. I mean, I understand what you're saying, and it's scary to think about, you know, doing it for my kids. Don't be afraid. They're I'm stupid. Not, I'm not, not being afraid of it. It's just, it's just the reality of it just hit me right there in that moment, I guess, is the, you know, starting the brand at whatever age, I guess, is what you're telling me here. Well, starting the brand, but you want to make it a sporadic brand and get a copy. I'll shoot you a copy of my book uh, in ebook, or you can have it in audio book. Paperbacks cost me money unless you want to buy one. I understand but, um, that. <laughs> um, yeah, the electronic copies don't cost – well, the audio books cost me money because somebody else recorded it. But um, the um, – a lot of this is in my book. Um, why, you know, why to encrypt is a big one. Um, how to detect uh, why children should be using uh, the dark web. I had lunch with a psychologist today that we were talking about secure communication, and they were telling me about one of their clients and this is what happens when you have a 12 year old they will go out and they will look at things and they're curious about things and they send information they'll send and make posts without thinking and what this kid did was they went on to a message board and they posted something that was really nasty that was taken as a bomb threat. And the police department looked up the IP address, found out what house it was, and at 3 o'clock in the morning, the SWAT team drug everybody out of bed and they confiscated the PC and... The kid ends up in therapy, thus my lunch with the doctor. And how you can get yourself out of this kind of situation is twofold. One is know what your kid is doing online. Look at the hard drive. If you don't have time to look at the hard drive, there is a computer guy that is in your neighborhood they can show you how to look on the hard drive. You can email me. My email address is tripelix at outlook.com. If you don't remember that, you can contact Jim, and he will give you my contact information. And I will tell you what to look for on your computer. You are responsible for your computer. If you own a home, and you have a 14-year-old, you can lose your home over a 14-year-old being a jerk on the Internet. You don't want to lose your home over a 14-year-old being a jerk. Now, the second thing that you can do is you can put Tor on your computer and force your kid to use Tor. That way, when they do stupid things on the Internet, nobody can look up their IP address. And you keep your kid away from the police department and the psychologist. But if your kid is being that much of a jerk, 
you better know who that they're being that jerk because they'll do something to get caught. Like they'll use their real name or something else, and you don't want it to get up that far. But what I'm getting at is the innocence is lost on the Internet, and the best thing that you can do is make it so that you're not being able to be tracked. Do you know what the dark web is? Do you know I, what the deep web is? Vaguely, so go ahead and get into it. Okay, well, the deep web is... The deep web is everything on the Internet. And what I mean by everything is Google, if we make a big clock and we think about what Google has indexed of the entire, of the entire Internet, at one point, Google got to almost 15 minutes. In other words, a pie that was one quarter of the entire Internet. Yahoo got to about five minutes. Google got in trouble when they <laughs> had a quarter of the Internet as, uh, as being indexed and because they were listing people's credit card numbers and all kinds of stuff, so they cut it back to about 10 minutes. And now they're about eight minutes and 30 seconds. The rest of the Internet is not indexed. It includes dams and our electric grid, the back end to the telecommunication systems, uh, you name it. It's out there. It's not indexed, and it's on the Internet. Devices including the Xbox and the Sony PlayStation, your cell phone, um all kinds of things your wireless uh your wireless system in your home off of one IP address um going to that app that goes back to the hacker that can turn your lights off um these are all on the quote deep web um a lot of people will show a picture of a glacier and um showing the top of the glacier coming out out of the water and saying that, you know, most of the internet you can't see. Um, it's not indexed. Um, the dark web is simply an island of privacy on the deep web. And it's a segregated, curtained-off area or a hole in the internet where privacy exists. And the reason to use Tor is very simply that all that tracking stuff, when you go out to Google, and by the way, do you use Chrome? I do. I get the feeling I might not here in a minute. Nope. You should use Chrome or Firefox. Actually, you should use Firefox and not use Chrome. But um, disconnect, ghostry, privacy badger by the EFF. Please give money to the EFF if you don't know who the electronic friend, uh, the electronic frontier is. They are watching for all of us and privacy and fighting for our rights. And you block. 
you block as a um, these are all plugins that work on browsers and what they do is they stop the websites from collecting your data because it all goes back all roads just like Rome go back to Axiom Corporation and a couple others but primarily them in other words if Facebook gets it Axiom gets it if Google gets it it goes to Axiom but there are some other players in the marketplace some little ones and then the criminal gangs and the nation states that just want to spy on the American public to figure out that our uncle is really the CIA guy so they know who to compromise <laughs> um, Really, um, the world is watching the Americans because we're stupid. Um, we talk about, oh, yeah, my uncle was in the F is in the FBI, and he's really far up, and I'm his favorite nephew. Yeah, yeah you're going to go disappear soon. Uh, <laughs> it happens. It happens all the time. So if you live in the defense, an area of defense, in other words, you live where the um, where guns get made. I have Colt down the street and General Dynamics and Sikorsky Aircraft in my neighborhood. Um, and those people that work in those places go in bars and they're told not to talk <laughs> because bad guys are here too. You know, there are 150 other nations that we spy on. That's what our State Department does. It starts wars in Egypt and turmoil and acts as the ambassador for McDonald's and Coca-Cola and other companies. And where do you think their spies are? Here. They're with us. But, um, yeah, block um, block the things. If you use Disconnect, it's got a cool little visualizer, and it makes a graph of what you're connected to. So if you go out to the New York Times, you'll see that there are 40 companies that are actually tracking it. If you go out to... Um, if you go on Twitter, there's a whole bunch of uh, what are called clickbait sites. Somebody will put some kind of uh, fascinating thing, and it says, click here to advance, click here to advance. If you've ever fallen into one of those, um, some of those have malware on them. A lot of them are just traps for personality they know that you clicked on the royal thing, so you're interested in royals. And if you pick on the wrestling guy, then you're interested in the WWE. And usually there's a big-breasted woman on there somewhere uh, to figure out if you're a male or a woman that likes big breasts. But um, it's very obvious when you're on the Internet it, what sex somebody is. That's not hidden. You can also figure out if it's a kid or not. Um, by what they browse to. 
the other side of it is that you marry that with all the other pieces of information. And this is where people don't realize that all of it ends up in the same big pot. So when you go shifting through the pot, you get everything about a person. So uh, things that you can get that are in lists, like not during Christmas, but away from Christmas, um, there's one data broker out there that will sell me uh, for 40 bucks every SKU that you've uh, that is associated with you in the last 30 days. Um, you know, when you uh, have something uh, barcoded by the gun and you go to the cash yeah. register? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, they'll sell me the uh, last 30 days of everything you bought. <laughs> isn't that great? So, yeah, yeah, isn't that great? It's none of their business. This is a thing that a lot of people don't realize or are told wrong, and that is that your name is your information. It belongs to you. And companies, the credit companies, will tell you that it is your property. They agree. And if you don't want the credit companies to sell your information, all you got to do is send a letter. Axiom Corporation. All you got to do is send Axiom a letter and tell them to cut it out, and they will. You got to go through snail mail. You can go out to itsmyinfo.org. It's one of my websites. My name is Trip Elix, T R I P E L I X. You can Google me. Um, you can find me at my website, tripelix.com, T-R-I-P-E-L-I-X.com. Um, if you go out to It's My Info and click on the Take Action button, which is dead center in the middle of the screen, you scroll down. There's a link to a nice, nasty letter. I wrote it myself. If you want to make your own, go ahead. There's the addresses. Send them the letters. And if your mail doesn't slow down, if it doesn't stop, send me a note. Send me an email. You can send me mail if you really want to, but email's easier for me. Um, and I'll have an attorney take a look because they will stop. You don't have to play with the spinning wheel of are you going to be the next identity theft victim? <laughs> You don't have to play that game. You know, I was a victim of identity theft. Everybody on my street, we were all victims of identity theft because Sprint decided to um, – they decided to offer with their new cell phone plans a couple of years ago a new uh, iPhone. Right. So a Jamaican oh, oh, actually gang – Actually, I should cut you off because we're going to run out of time. Thank you. Oh, okay. Actually, I'll, I'll just hang out with me for a second. I got 45 minutes, 45 seconds of outro music. Be a part of the report and help it grow. Share it. 
Do you enjoy listening to The Mallard Report, the fastest hour in paranormal talk radio? Please visit TMR247.com and listen to past or present reports. Subscription is free or listen on your favorite app. Well, we're just going to have to sit back and uh, watch, okay? Uh, and when I say watch, don't listen to anybody. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to CNN. Don't listen to New York Times. Don't listen to the Washington Post. Watch what they do, okay? The opinions expressed on the Mallard Report are those of the host and participants. All listeners are advised to make their own decisions. Get connected with Take-Two Radio on Facebook or Twitter at Take-Two Radio. For email updates on future shows, follow at Blog Talk Radio. For previous episodes, upcoming guests, and more, visit Take-Two Radio.com.